1: This is the interview that I had on Tuesday with Dr. Lee Merritt, who's literally one of my favorite doctors from this entire COVID political propaganda pandemic. She's obviously very, very busy, so it didn't work out to have her come on live. So we we did the interview. I did not edit it whatsoever. It is an hour and 28 minutes. It's it's long. She does most of the talking. So even if I talk for a little bit and you don't want to hear me, that's fine. This is the most important episode you will ever hear about anything that has to do with, uh, well, anything, everything, COVID. This is something that I'm encouraging you to share. I've to it twice because it's a lot of information. This will put a whole new perspective. Anybody, if everybody could listen to this episode, literally this country, this world would change and people would get clued in. People would get pissed off because it really is a pandemic and there's many, many layers to it. And they keep finding things that are in this non-vaccine, Okay, like things that are alive. There's amoebas. Okay, like organisms that actually have the ability to, like, be self-aware. You might have heard her in, a, in a interviews before, but basically what she does in this is she takes a whole, like, several interviews and information. Because I'm not a stalker. I'm, like, a huge fan. I'm like, a friendly stalker. So I've watched her in, in a m- bunch of interviews. So she takes pieces from each of those and then adds some new stuff in there, And the things that we went over. So She'll literally, take a listen. Enjoy the interview. Help me get this out there because it will, change. it will change the world. It's that incredible. So take a listen. Dr. Lee Merritt, the medical rebel, uh, unbelievable information. My very special guest has become one of my favorite truth-bombing doctors. And after this interview, I think you'll become a member of her fan club, too. Dr. Lee Merritt, the medical rebel, is one of the infamous five docs, and her resume is beyond impressive. She started her career as a needy orthopedic surgeon and has been in private practice since 1995. Talk about experience and smartness. What I love the most about her is how she explains the facts, connects the dots, and isn't afraid to expose the real agenda of the political propaganda pandemic. And after reading her bio, I just learned that her medical career began at the age of four, carrying her father's black bag on house calls along the back roads of Iowa. Great story, audience! Please give a big round of applause for a fabulous front-line freedom fighting, truth-telling, COVID crushing health hero, <laughs> Doctor Lee. <laughs> welcome to the Everything Home Talk Radio well, Show. Thank, thank you. you. Uh, I think you deserve an, you deserve another round of applause. From you. <laughs> Oh, man. You know, I need, you know when I'm
2: getting censored, I need to have that on my phone or something so I can just play it every once in a while.
1: Oh, yeah. uh, actually, censorship
2: a desert, is a badge I, of honor in this war.
1: It is. And, you know, you've been censored. I was doing a live show yesterday, and just uh, I stream it. On YouTube, just to see how long it takes them to shut down one of the live streams or take down one of uh, my shows, and I don't list anything on there because I don't waste the time. I don't bother since it's automatic, no big deal. So during my show yesterday, about three quarters of the way into the first hour, I get an email from them. Oh, you got another strike, and literally right in the middle of the show, they shut down the live stream, which is nothing big deal because it's not, it's not one that I that I that I rely on. But it was just kind of funny that uh, you know they're just. They're out to get us in every possible way, you know. The medical relevance well, is they on are. the hit list. It's on the hit list.
2: Yeah, I mean, anybody with half a brain needs to realize what censorship means. Censorship means they can't deal with the argument. And it means that they have to shut you up one way or another. And before they get to bumping you off, they just shut your voice down. And that's really where we are. That's not science. It's not medicine. It's not caring about each other. Uh, censorship, in fact... I had an interesting uh, encounter. I was – when Simone Gold – when I first started with the American Frontline Doctors, it was because I'd gone down to protest the mask mandate in my local city. And um, that was interesting enough. I thought this would be a slam dunk, three minutes, you know, no problem because there's no science behind this. You shouldn't be wearing a mask all the time. It's just not the answer. So I went down to talk and found out I was the only medical doctor on the whole side. There was all the people that didn't want the mask were on the left side of the room with me. But the entire University of Nebraska um, orthodoxy, the, the university chairman, the CEO, and all the, all the big-wigs department heads in infectious disease, and they were all over on the other side pushing a mask mandate. I said, what is going on here? That was, that was when I was still naive and thought there was something to do with medicine here. No, <laughs> it's, it's, a different, it's a different agenda. But what happened is that my little three minutes went viral, and then I get this call from somebody that I didn't know at the time, Simone Gold, and, and she said, could you come out and do that for the frontline doctors, your mask talk? Said, sure. So I made a little bigger one. And how, when I was on the airplane flying out there, the guy sitting in the in the seated a little way from me saw what I was doing. He says, oh, are you giving a talk on masks? I said, yes, I am. She, he said, we got talking. He was a Taiwanese engineer. I mean, he was living here, but he was from Taiwan. He was going back and forth, seeing his parents in Taiwan. And he said, you know, it's interesting when we were talking about censorship, he said, we don't look at what the, the reason Taiwan did not, did not get hurt as badly as other countries around there uh, with, the, with the non-virus, this, this spike protein bioweapon, um, was because we shut our borders right away. And how did we know to do that? Well, we never listen to what the Chinese Communist Party say. It turns out that the Ty- Taiwanese have a whole branch of government, and they just look at the social media censorship in China. And when they see a trend, they say that must be true. We better follow it. And that's how they knew. So censorship <laughs> as a key to truth. That's the new. That's the new. Uh, we're past 1984. That's the new uh, 20. You know, 21. Maxim is if it's censored, it must be true. If you if somebody's been shut shut up, you better read what that person has to say. That's the real. Yeah, definitely. That's,
1: that's, that's we can rely on, especially anything anything where they say it's been fact checked You know, keep an eye on that one too, because then, right. And then they, then, then you I know that. do uh, say that. You know that they're lying. They, they, then they're then they're censored, and then you know that they're the truth tellers. That's why everything is opposite land, like literally, it's beyond the twilight zone. But what's interesting when you were talking about. <laughs> when you were mentioning the side. So you had all the people who didn't want the mask. You were the only doctor. And then you had all of these experts, all these really smart people, all of these uh, institutions, right, the places that we have believed all these years, which turns out that, oh, they're all false authorities because a lot of them have just been lying to us and we're finding all this out. So what what happened to the industry? Like where, why do you think that your peers have... uh, on people and science and health what, what, what explain that so heres
2: here's the big picture as I see it I always, I have a little podcast on Monday night on my website and I what we do is we talk about uh, latest updates but what I, what I always end, start with is an entry an intro that says that if you think you're fighting a virus then you're going to be a victim you know if you think you're fighting a war you're going to have the right picture and you can save yourself and maybe maybe man up and be a warrior because That's what we're in. We're in a war. This is not about a virus. It's not about illness and health and wellness. And so what happened is, in a big, big, broad stroke here, Tony Fauci was just the bag man. Don't think he's the ultimate bad guy. He took the money from his uber lords, and we can, you know, that goes. Then it goes as deep as you want to go about who's doing this, who's, and I, I would suspect it's in 150 men who apparently owns 70% of the world's wealth. This was a, a study done in 2011 by Gladfelter. So we have evidence that there's a very, very small group of people that actually run the economics of the world. It's like we live on a ranch, and we're the cattle, and somewhere off in a distance is this distant ranch holders, and we don't really know their names. The most dangerous people here are the people whose names we don't know. So there are these people that are, that are funding this, and they funded it through the Rockefeller Foundation, the Gates Foundation, the Clinton Foundation, all these different foundations, through a nondescript bureaucrat they found – or, or bred, I don't know in, – in, who started his career in the 19, late 70s, I think um, – I know I fell asleep right in front of him in a room of four people when I was an intern. So he was a nobody back then. He came over <laughs> to teach us a little bit of rheumatology, okay? And uh, I still think I'm asleep, and I'm in a nightmare, and I hope I wake up from this. <laughs> but that, he, um, so he, who would who would who would look at who would be looking all these years at somebody like him? You know, you know, it wasn't like it wasn't an important desk for medicine, but the world didn't look at the takedown of the world is going to be taken over by a bureaucrat in a medical office at the NIH. Nobody would have thought that, right? So he was the perfect guy to funnel the money through. And he did two things with that money. Apparently, and I can't, I, I can't find where I got all the information. Somewhere it's in my computer. But I figured out there's about $800 billion that, that passed over his death in 40 years. <laughs> David Martin says that there were 120 of that billion went to producing the bioweapon. So the first thing he does is he takes the money and he spreads it out to different labs. And it wasn't just Trust me, this was not just Wuhan. Yes, he gave money to Wuhan lab, but before that, he gave money to Frank Plummer in, in Winnipeg, to Ralph Barrick down in North Carolina, and uh, several other places around the world to work on the problem. And the problem was they ended up taking bat coronavirus or bat DNA. Let me just put it that way, bat RNA from something. And they, they manipulated it in a lab to make it deadly. And this was probably first done by Ralph Barrick in north carolina but the wuhan lab got involved as well for testing and other things and we know that it's a bioweapon because subsequent to that we had researchers um when this first came out in new delhi um prashant Pradhan is his name and his his colleagues and what they did is they published a paper that was immediately censored they told him oh you have to retract that they said wait a minute no no we have the data nope have to retract it and then Zero Hedge, that had the temerity to vote on the paper, I mean to publish the paper, were taken down. They were deplatformed just for, pu- just for talking about the paper. Okay, And what did it say? It said that every, every specimen that they've seen coming from people sick in Wuhan had four inserts into the spike protein. And these four inserts are HIV. They're the AIDS virus. They're part of the AIDS virus that were put into the spike protein Keep in mind, if you believe that viruses exist along the classic paradigm, which that could also be wrong, the coronavirus is a 30,000 base pair genetic thing, Okay, whatever it is. The part that makes you sick is 181 to 200 and some base pairs. It's not very long. It's called the S1 subunit of the spike protein. And that's what they manipulated. So that was something we do know that is the genetic sequence of for sure. And in every time they look at it, Every specimen has these four inserts. That can't come out of nature. There was not one coronavirus that I ever found in nature that had the inserts. And you can't reinfect bats. So for a lot of different reasons, we know this is absolutely a man-made pathogen, meaning it's a bioweapon. When Pete, now, the second part of this is that they created a vaccine. They wanted to get this bioweapon, whoever they are, they wanted to get this bioweapon into the mass not just a few people. So they created a pandemic idea. They, they put out this bioweapon in a tactile contact form, I think. I don't think it was aerosolized. It was never a virus. It was just a contact genetic poison, and it made people really sick in Wuhan. Um, it made people sick in Lombardy, and then it made people sick in New York City to get the ball rolling. Now, that... Got everybody excited, and it did look bad when I first was running the numbers, and I got kind of an early heads up because of a friend of mine at USAMR years ago, and I've kind of kept in touch with him. He said I should watch this. one. So from the middle of December last year, when a lot of people, or 2019, when a lot of people didn't even know what to look at, I was following this, and by January I kind of knew what was going on, and then I started as as it hit the U.S. I started creating a death curve, and it was going up so rapidly, more than we've ever seen. Um, and people, the epidemiologists are yelling about this. Is the worst thing we've ever seen in transmissibility and everything. We would have had two million deaths had it kept doing that, but it didn't because this wasn't an airborne virus. It just was a pathogen that they had they had created in a lab, and it fizzled out after a while. That was what it was meant to do, but they piggybacked it on a viral season, the death season we always have every winter. And so anybody that came into the hospital with flu-like illnesses now got a fake positive test, and it blew up this whole psychological operation. It made people afraid because now they're putting people into lockdowns. So let's think about that word. Never before in the history of mankind have we quarantined the well. We only quarantined the sick. But now suddenly we don't even use the term quarantine. We we'd use the term lockdown. Don't pretend that's a medical term. That's something you use on prisoners. That's what this has always been about. Um, so they lock us all down. And then it's classic psychological manipulation. Uh, there's a book, Biederman's Chart of Coercion, Biederman's uh, on, book on brainwashing. And it's all about how to deal with prisoners, how to turn them to, to your will. The first thing you do after you isolate them is to monopolize their perception. So you constantly bombard them with a nightly news that inflates the numbers and makes you think the whole world's dying and, and, oh, my gosh, we're all going to die unless we do exactly as Lord Fauci and these others say. Well, that obviously didn't do anything, and so the death count was still going down, but then they started counting cases because it's Orwellian. You have to change the language. we got lockdowns, which is not a medical term, and now we've redefined cases. Cases always used to mean a sick person like a case of tuberculosis. It wasn't just a positive skin test. It was you were sick with tuberculosis. Otherwise, we would have just called it, oh, he's got a positive skin test. Doesn't mean anything right now. So what they did is they redefined cases as as something to be feared, and they blew up the numbers with a false positive test, and it just, the, the psychological operation took off. And what was the whole point? It was to get this vaccine into us, which is not a vaccine. So then we have to look at this thing. It's the Let's, let's look at the nonsense here. It's dangerous nonsense. It's just insanity. They've told us that if you get three or four spike proteins in your nose, you can get sick and die from, the, from the, this horrible disease. But they're giving you a so-called vaccine that will shower you, get your body to produce trillions of spike proteins that will travel into every organ of your body if your immune system doesn't block this. And they think that's safe. You know what yeah. I'm saying? This is just nonsense. So that's what this is all about. And and the issue is it's a it's a genocidal agenda. I, I'm sorry. I didn't used to say this in my talks. I used to try and let people think for themselves and consider what it could be and not make it a point. But it is you know, Zelenko just came out with a great piece of writing called the death I think it's the COVID death uh, numbers or something. It's I can't remember the name of it, but it's on the it's on the internet. You'll find it and it's beautiful because it's all documented and it shows the numbers. And it just, he's the one that told me, I was talking to him and he said, this is a, this is an, uh, a program genocide. And I kind of chuckled a little bit at that only because what's an unprogrammed genocide. I just wake up <laughs> one morning and decide to murder the whole world. <laughs> but this is, you know, and Michael Yaden speaking out the former chief science officer of Pfizer. They're all calling it a genocide. Now a worldwide mass murder, uh, McCullough, you know, Early on when I was calling this a bioweapon in last summer, he and he and some other big shots from the from the um you know, Ivy League, they were all kind of being doctors still and they're saying, What's going on here? Why would they make that mistake? Why would they even finally I just kind of spoke up as the nothing burger person on the panel. I said, Because we're at war. This has nothing to do with your health and well. This is mm-hmm. a medical problem. It's a war fighting problem. And nobody apparently is looking at this well, I think think the people that know know. This is a bioweapon, and we are at war, and we've been attacked and Now the attack is the vaccine so please, if you 're out there listening, do not take these things they're not vaccines. This is what gets me censored, and nobody nobody in the media would ever touch me is because they are bought by the vaccine industry so this is how the how the takedown took how we how we got this is where my next point that 's what the big picture here 's why the doctors are not telling you the truth so that was $120 billion that got us there. Okay, The rest of the money was to set up a system of control of the hospitals. Now, this was done in conjunction with Obamacare, for example, that herded all the doctors into hospitals. They used to be 70% of us were in private practice, and we could not have been herded. We would have been independent thinkers. We would have been independent speakers. But under Obamacare, it forced us to give up private practice because many of us realized we couldn't, we, we couldn't deal with all the, the regulation and the, the electrical, electronic medical records and everything. It was too hard. So all these young doctors especially, they've just grown up being in the hospital. That's how they work. They're owned and run by the hospital. So Tony Fauci had about the rest of the $800 billion, so $680 billion to give through the NIH grants, to hospitals, and the hospitals are doing research, like university hospitals. And they were able to um, overbuild based on all this reliable NIH grant money. But Fauci is like the bagman of the mob boss, okay? He's not, it's not his money that he's giving around, he's just the bag man. So he takes the money from the mob boss, he distributes it to the capos, in this case to the, to the hospital research arms, and then if they don't do what they're told, he goes out and breaks their legs. In this case, he goes and withdraws their NIH funding, and they collapse. So the University of Frats, you know, pick a state, New Jersey, California, any of these, um, they were given a ton of money. And they're now in a situation. If they don't do what the NIH, CDC, guidelines, FDA, they're all in it together, say, they'll have their money withdrawn, and they'll go down. So what's happening now is you've got you – got, the the big guys on the top of the hospital if you want to know where your doctor sits just look where he is on the pyramid the big guys on the top of the hospital these are the chiefs of the departments the chiefs of service the chief uh, of the of the or the CEOs of the hospital maybe on bigger hospitals university hospitals they're all bots um they may be psychopaths but they're also bots You know, some of them may not be psychopaths, but they're bought. You can't save those guys. They took the they took the money and lost their souls to bring this about. Now they're the people that are mandating, though, in the hospital that everybody get vaccinated, that everybody get that you use remdesivir, that you don't use ivermectin, that you don't talk about hydroxychloroquine, that you don't take care of people appropriately. They're killing people by omission and commission. But they're not doing it themselves. They're doing it through the doctors below them. Now, way on the bottom of that pyramid are doctors in training. I give them a moral pass. Those guys are stuck. They're in medical school, residency, fellowship, and stuff. They're working under another doctor or group of doctors. If you're an internal medicine resident, you're not the ultimate authority for any patient in the hospital. You work under this internal medicine group in the hospital. So they're stuck. But the people in the middle, the people that are out of training but not in authority, they're just doing their jobs because they're told by these guys at the top to not use ivermectin, they're told to do this, that, and the other thing. They're culpable. This is now Germany nineteen forty three. And I'm just gonna say, if you're in that situation, if you're a nurse in the hospital taking care of patients, I think, you know, yes, it looks like you're trying to do the best you can and you're trying to help. But by keeping this murderous thing going, we're we're everybody's complicit. You know this is think of Auschwitz in nineteen forty three It wasn't run just by Eichmann, but by all the little people who who were mm-hmm. just doing their jobs and then afterwards claimed they didn't know or they, it wasn't their fault or whatever. does it make do you, do you feel that way now, looking back at it? Would you say those people aren't innocent or they aren't guilty of something? No. They were all guilty because they knew what was going on and they didn't just quit. And I understand it's really hard. You got a mortgage, you got family, you got. But right now there are there's a lot of people out there that are needing a real doctor, and you can do it for cash. You can do telemedicine. You can make a good living. You don't have to work for these psychopaths anymore. And that's my plea to the doctors and the nurses. Go with you and you set up your own system. That's what we got to do because we are we are now killing people in these hospitals by omission and commission. One. So well, I'm, I'm glad you I brought would... that up. Go ahead.
1: I'm glad to, you did the warning shot for the people involved because we're, we're at a critical point and we're things are going to get – and I think things are going to get really bad quickly because it's in what they started the vaccine or I call it the non-vaccine. They started that in what January yeah. ish and it started to really kick in. People taking it maybe in March or what, six Seven, eight months in, maybe nine. You've got all these spike proteins that are just multiplying in people's bodies in the billions, and it's just you've got your immune system is being slowly beaten down amongst all the other things that are in this vaccine. You know, it's a syringe of demonic deception and destruction is really what it is. And I'm, I'm I'm glad you. you're like yeah, you're like I compile all kinds of different things because um, there's something that, every time that you watch or listen to a show, you learn something new that's in this syringe, and you're like, oh my god, I thought you know, how how much more stuff can people find that's in this thing? So it's it's not just the right proteins. There's there's layer after layer. You've got the tracking device. You've got. The nanotechnology, you've got aborted babies, you've got artificial intelligence, genetic altering materials, um, the uh, graphene oxide, and you go, go ahead, find something else, people. This is just unbelievable that they can, that they well, created it. Well, there is something else. Oh, what else Now,
2: now there's. Now there's living things that we don't know what they are. So, um, one of the things that Carrie Made thinks might be in there, and I, you know, we talk all the time, but I'm not sure if we're all here proof of this, but she thinks the hydra, which is pieces of hydra somehow are in there, or enzymes from the hydra. The hydra is one of those things we've studied in biology that you cut it in half, and both halves regenerate it. You cut it in 10 pieces, all the pieces regenerate. It's immortal. It, you can't kill this thing. It's kind of a weird thing. But anyway, um, there, it has it some like interesting properties that may... Is it,
1: is it like a parasite? Is that the parasite that they were talking about maybe it is? Well, or not, some that's sort that's of no, organic another, thing?
2: there's another... It's an actual... It's like a little... Like in high school biology, when you look under a microscope and you look at amoeba and, and paramecium, things that live in farm ponds, Hydra's like that. The hydra was first seen by the Greeks. It's bigger than paramecium. But it's a weird, weird small biologic kind of almost like a, like a, uh, what do you call it? Like a little baby squid like looking thing. Mm. And it, or a little, not actually not a squid, more like a little tree that grows in the thing and has these little tentacles that move, but it's, it's weird. So there's, there, they may be using enzymes or something from that or little tiny microscopic pieces of it. That's one of the things, but I don't know if you saw this, Dr. Zalewski. I'm, I'm trying to trace that down and see more information. This guy, if he's legit, he's showing you actually some creature that's aluminum-based that's in this, that grows in you when you take this. He actually took these vials, which is not, this is not something we thought to do, I think, on our vials that we had, the people in my groups. Um, you know, Dr., for example, Ryan Cole took them, and he had six vials, two of each of the, the three brands that we're getting in the U.S., and three of them were magnetic, just the bottle. You know, not to mention what it does to the patient. So we know there's nanotech. We know there's stuff in there that, that can make patients magnetic. I tested people, 60% of the people I tested that said they'd had the vaccine within six or six weeks or two months were uh, positive magnetically. In other words, I put a paper clip on, and it stuck to the site where they had it, and it wasn't just from sweat. I, I know how to do the test. So, you know, um, but it didn't stick to the other side. So – and I never found anybody that was magnetic everywhere, but we've seen those pictures. So I think the magnetism is real. The, but this last one is – there's this guy named – I think it's Zalewski. It's a Polish name, but I think he's speaking Ukrainian. I'm not sure. It's not – it's – it, you know, it sounds like it's Ukrainian or Polish. But anyway, he, um, he's showing you pictures of what looks like a long – a very long uh, be, little, little beastie that has a little head and has these tentacles that come out and it, and he has, he's obviously the kind of scientist that has access to a real lab that has NMR. So he's able or something, he's able to do studies on these and show that they're primarily aluminum, they're aluminum, something carbon and something else, but it's more aluminum than carbon. So he's calling it, he called it an aluminum based life form. Um, he thinks again, I'm, I can't verify this. This is just what he thinks. But I'm, I, this is the track I'm going down uh, now. I sent it to Carrie to see what she thinks. The, um, he thinks that the eggs are in the bottles, some of them, not all of them, and that under certain circumstances, they will hatch and grow. Now, oh, that's pretty creepy, and I hope to God that's not right. But the, But here's the ultimate point that people need to take away from all this discussion of these weird things that could be in there. They don't have to tell us. You see, the beauty of an EUA, the emergency use authorization, is they don't have to tell us what is in it. And that's why we saw these pictures of blank package inserts. And now they're just eliminating the package inserts. They're not even making a pretense. Why? Because in an EUA, the statute says you basically only have to report the part that's in there that you're making claims about. So they're making claims that they're giving you some RNA that will make the spike protein and that it will, it will cause you to get some immunity to COVID. Now, it doesn't do that very well, quite frankly, if at all. The only thing, they couldn't prove it to stop. It doesn't stop transmission. It doesn't stop you from actually dying of COVID. All it does is stop a statistically very small group, somewhere between 19 and 30% of the, of the people that take it. In the EUA study, Okay, and quite frankly, they could have put different things in those vials for the study group than they're now giving the population. Mm
3: -hmm. If you're a psychopath, Mm -hmm. that's
2: what I would do. So what they did was they showed that between 19 and 30% of people had a little less symptoms of COVID if they took the vaccine. That is not worth the risk, guys. That's just not worth the risk. And here's what we know for sure. This is artificial DNA and artificial RNA. You take it, and you are now transhuman. You are not completely you anymore because this does get into you. It, it, it can get into you. They can't tell you it doesn't because we know how this works with re- reverse transcriptase and the DNA can intercalate. In the old days, by contrast, when we used to give measles shots out of chicken, grown in chicken eggs, and maybe they still do, there were always little fragments of DNA left over from the chicken or RNA. And, but they never got into you because you're not a chicken. And your body recognizes self and non-self enough that it recognizes species. It can't let other species get in unless you jack with the DNA and the RNA. Mm-hmm. So that's what they've done. They've, they've altered this. they put in an, an artificial base, and they claim it was just for this reason of not having something replicate. But that's not really what they could do. They can put in whatever they want. Just be advised that they, you don't know what's in here. All you know is what they tell you, and that's not good enough. To take this thing, the death rate for these vaccines exceeds just in this, what, uh, almost just a little over a year or a year and a half. How long have we been doing this now? Really, not even completely a year. Yeah,
3: um, so let's just say, so we'll just say rate, January. It's really January, so 10 months. Yeah, yeah. so it's nine
2: months. Nine months we've been doing uh-huh. this. Yeah, the most conservative death rate in the VAERS database is over 7,200 people. In 31 years of all vaccines put together, we only had about 3,100 people. So we are over or close to being over twice, or 3,600 people. So we're close to being over twice what they had in the entire 31 years of database of people reporting things. And people want to say, you know, the fact checkers, as you rightly pointed out, it's an intelligence program. When when somebody comes out and says something and the fact checkers come out like a herd of of maggots, you know, and they all go false, 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 false. You better read it because that's not a normal response. It's very, very hard to really look to something being false, to really do fact-checking like that. It takes very ta- lots of time and energy. What normal people do is put out the truth. If they don't agree with that, they just put out something they think is true. When you see that uniform fact-checkers and they're all saying the same words and they're all from different, like, politifact and, and Snopes and all these different things, but they use about the same language and about the same, and they're all going after the same person at the same time. That's an intelligence program. So don't be confused. That's not true. So well, let's do this. So when they That's come somewhere. out, yeah, I yeah. want you to
1: take a step back. I want you because this is this is what you, you're gonna you're gonna explain this brilliantly. So, um, but I want to set the stage for people because it's gonna you, you hit on the head. It's the, it's intelligence and it's the strategy and, and this. You know the propaganda. Let's just pretend somebody has just literally arrived from another planet. Well, but they they that wasn't. We'll do like as if it was the time machine. So they were in. It was to the last. Uh, they're they're from 2019. So they missed all this. So they get here now and they're watching TV. They're seeing what's going on on social media, and they're going. None of this makes any sense. Like you guys are giving away. Uh, cars, you're giving away money to get, uh, uh, what, this, right. you're calling it a vaccine <laughs> for something that has a less deadly effect than the flus. And then I'm looking at these statistics for the VARES report, which, you know, I didn't know anything about VARES because we never, no one ever really paid attention to that. And you've got all these deaths, um, then, and, and, and you've got all of these doctors saying things on TV and you've got, you've got the media and you're just going, okay. It, i just got here i don't know much but this doesn't make any sense guys like where, where why are you why are you even talking about taking this if it's experimental so what happened to common sense what happened to looking at uh the fact that if this thing is being so driven to take it like you have to and there's no critical right. no nothing what happened to the human being like Talk about that, especially from a military and strategy standpoint, and war t- op, t- tactics, and and you know the, the right. science of propaganda, brainwashing. Well, I mean, w- what happened to people? Right,
2: and I don't I don't pretend to be a military genius or strategist, but I'm going to tell you, it's not hard to look at the literature and teach yourself a little bit about what's been out there. Um, you know, I know that we've been looking at bioweapons for a long time, even after the 1971 ban that Nixon brought in. Um, we, know, we probably were involved with the South Africans with their bioweapons program. There's just a lot of different things. That nobody really abandoned the strategies and, and thinking about this. There's a book that I, I quote in my speeches a lot, and it's, it's called Unrestricted Warfare by two Chinese colonels, Zhao and Wang. And you can download it from the Internet. It's a very good book to read. I mean, it's a really neat book to read. But they, they basically, um, these guys have looked at, and this was 1999, and they're looking ahead at the future, and they're saying, you know, they, they look back at the Gulf War. It was written in response to watching the Americans in the Gulf War, and they said, you know, here's what's the world, here's how the world's shaking out. Now you've got a monopolar world where you've got one really big superpower, and they have the money. And they can always outbuy weapons. If you're trying to compete one-on-one with, like, F-22s and standoff TLAM, you know, missile systems and all these different things, you, you will never be able to do that. So how are you going to compete? Well, the answer is you get rid of the Geneva Convention and any notions of fairness, and everything's on the table. So now you have biologic, chemical, nuclear, uh, cyber warfare, economic warfare, political warfare it's all fair game because that's how smaller nations compete against bigger nations and that's how they said that they would have to deal with taking down if they were going to take down America that's what you'd have to do and and so they're talking about not just asymmetric war where you know you're the little guy and you're using all these different weird things it's also multidimensional it's all at once so look at what's happening in the country today we're not just being it, you know we weren't just hit with a bioweapon that was part of it we also have an economic war, a cybersecurity war. Uh, remember when they hacked into the Pentagon and all this stuff was going on that we don't really hear a lot about in the cybersecurity world, but it's going on. Um, I know that the, the, the one of the universities got hit with, uh, about the time this was taken off, they, had, they got hit with a, a huge number of denial-of-service attacks kind of thing. Um, and I'm sure they weren't the only university. I just had an insight into that one. You know, so, in a political war, um we're in a war We're think about this we are in a in a world where one billionaire or trillionaire, somebody with a lot of money, can literally, through cyber warfare and and propaganda and things, take down a country. Mm-hmm. So you no longer have to a, a war between nation states, and there's no longer like a where you expect that you're going to know who the enemy is. You know, this is warfare 5.0 where not only, you know, we, we, we live through the time frame of the emergence of 4.0 where we saw kind of the enemy in a way. We knew, we're, we, knew we were being attacked, like, like when we were fighting the Taliban in Afghanistan. We, we knew there, was, uh, there were people or ISIS or uh, al-Qaeda, you know. Um, if they are, we're, we're, we could see we're being attacked by these people, but who's really the enemy? who's funding them, who's, right. who's buying their equipment, who's training them. And it turns out it might be us. You know, I mean, it's not just – so, so the, all, everything's kind of on the table. You can pretty much think that the warfare is everywhere, including in your own mind. So we've had, in addition to that, a huge psychological buildup over many years that brought us to this point. And one of the points was we have a medical authority establishment is allowed to have quite a platform, and it's run by the pharmaceutical industries that basically are pushing vaccines. They, have, they first convinced your, you to, that you're, for the safety of your children, you should have them all vaccinated against childhood diseases. Now, let me tell you, the evidence for that is zilch. Um, there were less than 200 deaths, I believe, or right around that number, of measles deaths in the United States when we started vaccinating and i can remember literally in 1976 the whole thing about that has changed in 1976 when i was a freshman medical student at rochester new york i was told by the guy lecturing it wasn't vaccines that 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 saved people from childhood diseases it was plumbers i absolutely remember that sentence because i thought it was so funny but his point was it was it was better nutrition and sanitation that, that stopped the dying of children from childhood diseases. In other words, these whatever we think childhood diseases are, whether these viruses even exist, because we've never proved measles exist even. <laughs> That's an interesting thing. What are we vaccinating our children against? But the but the point is, whatever caused that was, was going away. And you can look at we looked at those old graphs. They hide those now. So they they've changed the narrative. They've convinced you that viruses are the bad, evil, they're these external forces that get our children, and we need to protect them by vaccinating everybody. So they started doing it. Well, as they've been doing this whole vaccine thing, over decades, people have been getting sicker, not better. We're we're, we're kind of a more sickly people. But then we told them, oh, now we need to vaccinate against seasonal flu, not just childhood diseases. Mm -hmm. There's when a big step occurred, seasonal flu. And 67% of Americans take the flu vaccine, we have a 0.02 percent mortality. Estonia, five percent take the flu vaccine, and they have a 0.02 percent mortality. In other words, same mortality, vastly different vaccination rates. Why are we doing it? There's really no good evidence it makes a difference, and it doesn't even make sense when you really run when you look at the data yourself. And this is the other problem is. The doctors are not looking at the data themselves. They're just telling you what they've been taught by people that are being paid by big pharma directly or indirectly. So we've had a vaccine industry that has convinced people to stand in line and get a vaccine. No thinking, just do it. And now we have something that's not even a vaccine. These things were devised to be genetic agents or, or cancer therapies, but they could never meet the safety bar. They killed too many people. So they didn't ever use them for that, but no problem, comrades with vaccines, no liability you know so now you can they're they're just fine, okay, the safety bar doesn't matter and so um and now we can put in what we really wanted to all along. We can sterilize the world if we want to. We know, look at how many times we found hCG and other um, other things that would sterilize people in vaccines in third world countries. Thank you, Bill Gates and Gabby. You know, we yeah. found these things. The Kenyan Catholic Medical Association discovered the HCG and the tetanus vaccine. Look at the, the polio that we're killing more people with than the uh, polio was before we started just giving them all this oral vaccine. So we're doing a lot of things right now that don't make sense, including the big one is the flu vaccine and now this. So I'm not sanguine that we're not being... In the, that we're not in the clutches of a psychopathic death cult that is sterilizing us. And let me just tell you, the paper that really got me to believe that um, there was a they, since the time of the Kuomintang, China, World War II, when the Japanese invaded uh, Manchuria, essentially, they had they, you know the the excuse for bioweapons programs was always veterinary science. We're, we're actually testing these things on animals because it's a veterinary study, right? In Australia, in 2015, they published a paper about the mice, getting rid of the mice population. There was too many mice, and apparently there are these outbreaks of mice in Australia. So what did they decide to do? They made, get this term, self-disseminating vaccines. Now, while I'm telling you this story, I want you to keep in mind all this talk of shedding, how people that are vaccinated shed on the unvaccinated, and they, they get sick or have menstrual irregularities. Little girls start bleeding, old women start bleeding. That's that's a big problem with the shedding, okay? But they they created what was called an, an, an a genetic immunocontraceptive, and <laughs> they put it in the mice, and then the way it worked is they, they captured a certain amount of mice, and they vaccinated them, and it damaged their ovaries, so they all became sterile. And then they put them back in the wild, and these mice went out and rubbed up against other mice, and they, they transferred this... This self-disseminating vaccine to the other mice. And then they became sterile. Then they rubbed up against even a bigger group of mice who then became sterile and, and on. And it, but it only did about three passes and then it kind of fizzled out. It, it didn't kill them all. They didn't want to kill them all. Self-disseminating vaccines for emerging infectious diseases. That was what the paper was about. Now, when you look at how they made those vaccines for the for the mice, they're made like the J&J vaccine. They were a DNA vaccine. They were made with a species-specific virus that was theoretically made so it didn't escape them, and, uh, and it was just sent out in the wild. And then they sh- the, 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 the process started through shedding. Now, let's just look at what's happening here. We've been given a non-vaccine. It's, it's a genetic agent of some sort. It's, it's based on a virus with this spike protein and who knows what else in it. When the Japanese studied it pharmacokinetically, meaning how does it go around in the human body, they discovered, looking at the, at the, the Novavax shell on this thing, which is called the matrix or matrix M, don't you love that?
3: Mm-hmm. It
2: distributed 64 times to the ovaries than it did to the, the skeletal muscle. So it was targeting ovaries and other, a couple other parts, but not it, the, the skeletal muscle wasn't where this thing was hanging out. It didn't stay in your arm. It went to other places, including 64 times in the ovaries versus the skeletal muscle. Why would they care? And, they, and in the old literature on this stuff, in the basic science literature, they were bragging how they could target places with these genetic therapies. So don't tell me that's an accident. We know you can target this stuff. You targeted the ovaries. Now, it's gone out into the population. It's shed on people, including little girls that may be mm-hmm. sterile for the rest of their lives. We don't know. And 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 now you want to give us boosters and you want to give us more of this and people are falling for it. Yeah. People were not told the truth and I, I get that and I feel bad about that. They were they were but the other side of it is they were just so dumbed down through our 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 long term education on the fluoride in the water you name it everything they've done is to make us less suspicious and more complacent just more complacent mm-hmm. about things. So we just got in line and took this without doing the due diligence that most guys would do looking for a used car. They would <laughs> reach right. car fast. Nobody even got on theirs, right? And we are now in a really Way bad enough. situation. Yeah, we're in a really bad situation. Now, I don't believe, and, you know, you've heard probably Luke Montagnier, who is a Nobel laureate, say, um, you know, everybody that took this is going to be dead in two years. That's really not quite what he said. I mean, what he said was if you get another vaccine, you could be dead in two years. If you get sick with uh, uh, something bad, like a flu-like illness, you could die from this because this will create antibody-dependent enhancement, which people have heard about now. I mean, there's a lot of things. If you wear a mask, why mask? Because it increases the inflammation in the body. Nobody should be wearing a mask all day. That's nonsense. That's that's just a symbol of slavery. It's not about making you healthier. It makes you less healthy. Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. So I'm thinking, I'm a physician and I believe that we solve problems eventually and i don't think we're just going to lose everybody to this and I, but i but people have to take it seriously if they took the vaccine take it take your health seriously this is the time to be as healthy as possible you know i've got a. am going to give a few a seminar on survive and thrive you know now and in the future basically on how to eat what we really know about the science of being healthy not what they've told us over these years so don't take any more vaccines be as healthy as possible on my website, which is themedicalrebel.com, dot com, there's a three words themedicalrebel.com, dot com. They, I have a thing on vaccine remorse. You can go there and look at what I would do if I'd taken the vaccine. This is what I would do now, and um, and every time I learn something new, I update it. I mean, we don't have complete answers, but I find out. I just believe that anything these guys gave us, there's some kind of antidote for. It. There's some way around it. I don't believe it's completely completely hopeless but i do think you're at risk and you need to to people that have you're not going to save people that have no vaccine remorse that thinks this is all just garbage and those doctors those 500 doctors trying to save the world you know they're just idiots and um we're going to just keep going on and do what the what what dr fauci says well okay fine we can't save you in a war and in war you have to triage people right you're going to lose some people but let's try and save the people who want to be saved and that's what we need to be working on. And we need to stop the poisoning of the rest of the population because think about it. If it's really a, 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 a contraceptive, an immunocontraceptive, we are going and, – and keep in mind, these are the people, the people, the big guys with billions and trillions of dollars, they're always the eugenicists. They always talk about depopulation and we got too many people. Plato talked about too many people. All tyrants think we have too many people. So, you would think so, it'd be
1: just the opposite that they want more people to control, but then they also realize they get to a point they can't control too many well, because they might actually start to talk to each other, they might actually rebel, right. And they might figure out that the emperor has no clothes, so then they're like, We got to lower it. But as you said, you right. that's, that's Bill Gates' whole that's his whole jam, that's what this guy does, and he's talked about it on seminars, TED Talks, he's talked about it in big presentations and they've written books on it. He even said this is the smartest investment he's ever made into vaccines because he wants to get the population down. So again, we 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 are not taking them for what they're, they're telling us. It's like, you know, they when you're dealing with demonic possession, right? And you're dealing you're dealing with these people really. And, and and I like the fact that you're calling it out and you're saying that, you know, this is a bioweapon, these people are nefarious. And like you, you, you mentioned it before, you know, we're being slaves, okay? That is exactly right. So we, the people that are trying to get the information out, especially the doctors, I, I love the fact that you're even encouraging your colleagues to use harsher language, because it is what it is. You know, like you said, we're at right. war. We so have you know, to. we're slaves. We need to use that word. And if someone says, Michelle, you're racist for saying slavery, I'm like, well, you call me a terrorist, you can't call me a white supremacist. Well, because I said God is good and this country is great. So go ahead, add it to the laundry list of adjectives, people. It doesn't matter. But it's literally, we are slaves and we're we're being treated as such and we, we can't do that. But again, you. you, you, you the, call this this bio what it is. It's not it's not a vaccine, people. And um, the other thing I wanted to well, mention, and, go real well, quick before Sorry. I forget. Um, you said 67 percent of the people take the flu shot, and that's even that's scarier because that's gonna yeah. like you just mentioned. Uh, if You're gonna be doing taking that. Who knows what they're gonna put in it? Because they can put in whatever they want, they well, can put the right. stuff from that's in the non-vaccine in that because they know people are going to get another flu shot. So it's like boom, there's the jab. You don't need a booster. They're going to sneak it in there because there's no rules, right? And no ethics. Yeah, no that's
2: exactly right. And and you know, again, this is right out of. Um, there's a couple of things. Well, first of all, I just got to say something about the, the term slave, and and if there's any person that should not wear a mask, it should be the black people in this country. You know, if they were worried about the history of slavery, let's just keep in mind, masks were slave masks. You didn't put masks on normal people. It's historically used in the occult and for slaves. So, to see black people wearing slaves or wearing masks, and then, you know, not realizing they're being used, this is not (laughs) about just color and race. This is about A definition, and here's the definition. If you believe that your boss or the government can mandate what you put in or on your body, then you don't own your body. You are by definition owned by those people, and that makes Mm -hmm. you a slave by definition. Or we can even go a step further if you don't want to be called a racist and use that term. How about let's just say you're one of a herd of cattle because that's really the way they look at us. I'm, I'm, I know they sound extreme, but it's almost, I get the feeling no, you're you're like, truth. we've been, you're telling we've the been truth, cows and we've been just kind of, yeah, we've just been chewing on the grass, kind of having a good life for a long time. We've been a country that's never been overrun by foreign enemies. We've never had real poverty outside the, the brief periods. We have been lazy grazing cows. And then we kind of saw these fences out in the distance, but didn't pay much attention because we thought we were free. And Mm -hmm. then, kind of one day, we realized that we couldn't get to what we needed, like hydroxychloroquine, although it was over the counter in Uganda with the lowest death rate in the world. The people in New York with the highest death rate in the world could not, were not free enough to buy it. Okay. That's not freedom. We are not free. We're in a big pen. We don't always see the fences, but we're not free. And then the last part is now we've, we've, we've just had our ear tagged and we're kind of surprised. Mm -hmm. We're cattle on a ranch. And I'll tell you the other thing I've learned is that the ranch – on this ranch planet Earth, the, the people that are controlling us, the, the managers of the ranch, the ranch hands, the cowboys, all the people that run the ranch, they look like us, unlike a real ranch where the cowboys don't really look like the cows. This ranch, we all look the same, but here's how you tell them apart. The, the rules don't apply to the ranch hands. You notice the politicians don't they don't take the mask seriously, they take it off at every moment, except when there's a oh, photo yeah. off. They admit to that. Mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. they they exempt themselves from it. They've exempted themselves in DC from the mandates of the um of the of the vaccine. And I think the postal service, I think, may be exempted from the mandated mm-hmm. vaccines. Mm-hmm. They yeah. so you know who's running the show and who's the cattle. We're you and I are the cattle and they're running the show. And that needs to be apparent to other people, regardless of your skin color has nothing to do with skin color. They want to make it about that because they want to divide us. See, the tyrants are always afraid of being overthrown. And when we get together, we overthrow it and take back our world. And that's where we are. Um, but, But speaking of the flu vaccine, I just want to make a quote out of this book from Colonel Zhao and Wang. They talk about kinder weapons. And if they don't mean weapons that won't kill you. They just mean that you're not going to have blood in the street. And they say some morning, people will awaken to discover with surprise that quite a few gentle and kind things have become to have offensive and lethal characteristics. Now, I take that to mean they're going to poison your toaster. You know, that's the kind of thing <laughs> you would think about. When I when I read that, I think of the tactile poison that may have started this, okay? They spread the spike protein in a, in a lipoprotein coat all over the computer surfaces, let's say, in the stores in Wuhan or over uh, dining services or whatever. They sprayed it around. They spread it around somehow, and people got into it. It got them sick, just like the mice. It shed on other people. It got them sick, and then it kind of petered out. Okay, It went to other cities. They did—they the, sprayed it in other cities or put it down. That could be it. But it also could mean the kinder or gentle things, were the, the what we used to think of as helping us were the vaccines. And now they become the killing field. They become the killing armament of this war. So people need to, that's why I'm saying you, people need to wake up and realize when you realize we're at war, you've just got to, you've got to take a step back. You know, think mm-hmm. of Sarajevo, that beautiful world-class city. Somebody that doesn't have the situational awareness to know things are changing back when it changed. they They step out of their front door thinking they're going to have a cappuccino like they do every Saturday morning, and boom, a stray round hits them, and they die. They get killed because they weren't paying attention. That a sectional war, a factional war, I mean, had broken out overnight in Sarajevo, and now it was a bomb. Overnight, it became like this bombed-out hellhole. People not paying attention. We're in that situation right now, and people are getting killed because they're not paying attention, and other people are getting killed because they feel they have no choice. You do have a choice. Those mandates are not legal. You know, I get asked all the de- time, what do we do if we're being mandated? Don't, don't do it. Look at the Southwest <laughs> Airlines guys, and thank God. A bunch of them said we are veterans, and we took an oath to the Constitution, and we still mean it. Thank you, guys. I've been waiting right. for somebody to say that, other than a few of us. Now, the, also the, the air traffic controllers, thank you, guys. Keep it going. Take down the whole air system. Take down the trains. Take down the whole thing. Let's stop these guys from taking our labor and treating us like cattle. And then let's take back our world by demanding that we not have these vac- mandates by standing up, uh, by demanding that the hospitals don't kill us anymore, taking back the, the reins of the hospitals from these psychopaths. That's the only way we get out of it. We have to get rid of the people that brought us this. And there's a, India has shown us a way. The legal – the legal, the Indian Bar Association, even though the government may not be purposely doing it, the Indian Bar Association is taking uh, Dr. Swaminathan, who was the WHO health chief. She was the person that said don't use ivermectin, and they figured she was committed mass murder, and they're they're bringing action against her under three under uh, section 302 of the Indian Bar Code. Hmm. Um, they had gotten they, the, ivermectin had clearly decreased cases in Delhi by 98 percent in uh, Uttar Pradesh that now has declared itself COVID-free by 97%. It was working. And then she comes along and says, oh, no, 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 The WHO says don't use it. Well, that's what we have to do. We can't let these guys hide behind WHO or the Congress or whatever group they're in. We have to say, no, you, Governor so-and-so in uh, Michigan or wherever, you killed people by outlawing hydroxychloroquine, and we're going to charge you with mass murder. That's what's going to do it. We're going to have to take individuals apart and say, your lying and your corruption caused people to die. And let's hold them personally accountable. That's the way we're going to get out of this. If we don't take out the people that brought us this, they'll just do it again. And I'm not not recommending a lynch mod, I'm talking about legal (laughs) trials. Yeah.
1: And those things are, some some are in motion. There obviously needs to be a lot more. Was, um, hearing about one that's up in Oregon because there's a whole big, you know, it's about following the money. It has to do with the CDC and money from the CARES Act. And then the money went to like, some parts of the Gates Foundation with nonprofits that aren't, they're like pretend nonprofits. They're real private companies because it has to do with the data and they're using that data to um, report on and, and manipulate the numbers. So there's, there's right. something brewing there. But you're exactly right. These people, uh, it, it needs to be, it needs to come from we the people. Like what exactly what is uh, the Southwest pilots did and the air traffic controllers is needs to be, to start and be contagious. You know, courage is contagious. It needs yep. to to get all in, in every industry because we just proved that you can shut it down. And then the CEO of the company Southwest. Was all was trying to like you know do triage uh, on uh, the, the news shows or on a couple of them this morning, and you know throughout <laughs> and, and he's and he's backpedaling saying well there's no evidence of that. And you're like oh because they're gonna you're gonna hear that they're gonna because you know they use certain they're phrases that like the PR company you told them to say. So he's saying no there's no no don't. So that'll, that'll be the phrase of the day. You'll hear that and then the little partners in crime will will jump on that train. But you know that's that's what needs to happen. The nurses need to step up. The the doctors right. aren't totally indoctrinated in, in the indoctrination and doctor. There's something. There's a correlation there. There might be something. There is. Um, yeah, an indoctrination, doctor. Hmm. Uh, so they yep. all need to really step up to the plate at this point because, as we mentioned in the beginning, we're at a critical. We're at a critical point. We're nine months into these non-vaccines. They're starting to see more health issues. If anybody's crazy enough to get the season, the the flu shot, that could just be the that could be the one that puts you over the edge, peeps. I mean, that could be it. Right. Um, you get these white proteins, and you don't know who knows what's going to be in that version. You don't need it. You, you know, the information that you gave about the vaccines in general. I I, I hope people just uh, let that sit in and uh, kind of uh, fester and digest and realize you don't need any vaccines. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. I mean, and of course, you can go back to the act of 1986 and and, um, and and how, you know, big pharma stepped in and no liability. I mean, come on, guys. It's just you've got to put on that common sense cap and kind of just bring yourself back around to, um, you know, a lot of the times you have more information, especially now with great doctors like Lee Merritt out there, then then, then the doctor you might go visit, you know. You, you, you Rely on people like her and the rest of her crew and all these other amazing doctors that are telling you the truth about so many things and, and literally step away from the ones that aren't because your life right. is at risk at this point. Um, real quick, I, I know you got to go because you, you said you are going to give us about, about an hour, but one of the things that you briefly touched on it, um, but what I saw in one of your other interviews is you mentioned that they never isolated this virus, right? So all yeah. these people have it, right? And, the, uh, and all these people died from it, even though the CDC side said about only 6% died from COVID, not with COVID, because if everybody's labeled COVID, right. of course, you know, the flus, the people with the flu, like two, the season before this, there was like 38 million people that had the flu. And then, of course, last year there was only 1,833 people. You know, it just not matter of what column you put the category of. It's like a, it's like counting game. It's a, what column do you want to put it in to get it off your books? Um, you mentioned they didn't. They didn't. No one's ever isolated the virus. But then you also said that they've never isolated any virus. And And then then you gave gave a great analogy of these virologists because you're like, I'm an orthopedic surgeon. I've never had to, I didn't focus on that. But when I looked at it, I went, hmm, and then you said something really funny. You just want to comment on that because I think that might also shed some light on people because of the misinformation we've been told for decades.
2: Well, it's just like, you know, we've been lied to about – look at how many people believe we've been told the truth about the JFK assassination? How many people believe we're being told the truth about NASA? How many people believe we're being told the truth about so many things about our finances? And, the, and the, you know, we've been lied to on all fronts. Don't think it doesn't also apply to hard sciences. Now, there have been a group of – and they do it through the same way they're doing on this, by, by, by keeping you from having the information in front of you. They censor the medical literature. They censor the biologic or the basic science literature because we have, people have bought into this idea of peer reviewed literature. All that means is we apply the Politburo theory of life to science, where a few people on the top are given these papers and they decide what should be given out to other people to read. Okay, it's Mm. not a free exchange of scientific ideas. So Mm. you've had out there, as it turns out, for 40 to 50 years, Two groups. You've had the, the, the virologists that, that started out, like Stefan Lanka in Germany, as virologists, and they realize there's something wrong and that the, what we have been told is not true, that the whole, whole scientific method applied to how we isolate viruses is flawed. and They've been trying to squeak about this, but they can't get their papers published because the group of virologists that are buying into this they're being paid a lot by big pharma because if you don't have viruses, you don't need vaccines. This Mm -hmm. is where this goes. This is what the problem is. So there's an industry that's supporting kind of a possibly false notion. So let me just give you an idea. And and this is, I can tell you, it's a worthwhile book to read. It's called Contagion by Thomas Cowan. I mean, it's really good, and it will open your eyes. It's written very easily so non-scientists can read this. I love Thomas Cowan for this book. I think he and Andy Kaufman have just done a great job at bringing this to the, the attention of the world. There are a lot of great, great scientists who have come up with this idea, but, but they weren't able to capture the public's attention like those two guys. So, modern, you know, you guys in the alternative media have helped bring this truth to light. So, so let's suppose for a minute, and we can, I, I don't know the truth about the death curve of, let's say, Native Americans when they live by the sun cycle. I can tell you that people for the adrenal health and different things in anti-aging, the healthiest people, were not necessarily the youngest people biologically, but the people that live by the sun cycle, my old farmers out here in the Midwest, some of them tested better than the young people. In fact, they tested better than all the young people on their adrenal function because living by the sun cycle is the way we were meant to be. It keeps our body in in hormone harmony and probably in lots of other harmonies that I'm not aware of. But let's suppose for a minute that the reason we have a winter death curve, that people die more in the winter than they do in the summer, is because we get our energy from the sun. And this is actually explained to me by Larry Pilefsky, one of the five docs. We get our energy from the sun. So in the summer when the days are long, we all go out. We we go, we work the fields, we go out and we work in our gardens and we do things and we go out and hang out with our friends in the bar. Whatever we do, we spend longer days. But we have more energy because we have longer sunlight. And sunlight helps increase the energy available to us. But then in the winter, the problem is we don't back that down. Electric lights have allowed us to become uh, like long-day people all year. But when you do that, you're expending more energy than you're taking in because the days are shorter, but you're living like they were long again instead of kind of going with the short days, and you're getting inflamed. And that's what – it's that plus the mm. staying inside with the house closed up. You get more toxins. Um, we're using toxins that we clean with, and they're, they're now we're shutting it in with the house. I mean, lots of different things could play a role here. But there's a lot of reasons to get sick and die that have nothing to do with infections. I'm not doubting bacterial infections. I, I'm not saying that isn't possibly a real thing, although they kind of make some question about that too. But let's just take viruses. This whole idea of viruses is really fairly recent. It's not been, and it's and it's this idea, they're trying to explain why we die in some cases when we can't find bacteria in us, but this could be it. It could be an energy disparity. It could be toxins. Think about if you didn't know about radiation and there was uranium, natural uranium in a mine, and the miners start going down there, and they start getting sick, you know, after they're there for a week, and then they start getting their, let's say, a couple of guys start getting real sick, and they come up, and then some more people get sick, and pretty soon it seems to be spreading among all these guys, and they're all getting sick, and they come up, and then they, they kind of get well, but some of them are going to die. If you didn't know about radiation that was down in the mine, you'd say, "Oh, they must be getting a, giving each other a disease. It looks infectious, right? That's because mm-hmm. you don't understand radiation. Now we're being bombarded with millions. Of times of the electromagnetic frequencies that our ancestors were we're eating foods that are not foods we're we're, we have toxins throughout our life these days Mm -hmm. and we're less we're sedentary we're not out in the sunlight we're not living a natural lifestyle we're expanding our days we're Christmas shopping and running around getting the family holidays in the winter we're spending and then that could be the explanation for the seasonal death curve that has nothing to do with viruses and then it comes to the complication of the question I had is, if there are really no viruses, what are virologists studying? And it's the, the answer here is it's stovepiped. It's, a, it's just like if I send somebody to the ophthalmologist, I'm not an ophthalmologist, so I trust that he knows his part of his business like I know my part. But, but if he's wrong on a basic assumption, then the whole thing could be wrong, but I don't know that. Mm-hmm. Maybe he doesn't know that. So these PhDs in virology, they're given little jobs to do, and they're they're researching certain parts of viruses, but they may never go back to the basic foundational tenets that turn out to be false. And that is, unlike bacteria, we can't see viruses. So I could isolate bacteria in my bedroom with the right equipment. It's not technically all that hard, right? I could give you a a pure isolate of some bacterium. But I could not do that with viruses because I'd have to have – a a, a laboratory full of equipment, including an electron microscope, because you can't see them. And in the process of what we have to go through to be able to see them, we create artifacts. And one of the things that Stefan Lanka showed, which is very conclusive in my opinion, is if you take what you think is the infectious material and you run it through that process, you get something that looks like, say, coronavirus. Great. And then you, you look, look at it under an electron microscope, and you have those. Notice most of the pictures of coronavirus are actually CGI. They're not electron microscopy. But, mm-hmm. but let's say you come out with a picture of something under the electron microscope. And then you take the exact same process, but now you don't inoculate it with the specimen. Guess what? You can get the exact same endpoint, the exact same picture it's it's the, it's the it's an artifact of the processing that we do to try to see these things and we call them that, that we produce something that looks like a virus but it could but it actually could be and this is what they believe is they call them exosomes that when we are bombarded with toxicity and radio frequency and all the things in modern world that's causing us to get sick our bodies can't wait for generations to evolve to to accommodate the new world right What Mm -hmm. that does is it spits out pieces of your genetic material to make minute-to-minute changes. And when you start being overwhelmed with toxicity, it, it spits out these things that are indistinguishable from what we call viruses. So we look at these things under the electron microscope, and we don't know which way they're going. They're a little bit of RNA or DNA surrounded by a lipoprotein membrane, and they seem to be going going into the cell wall, into cells, but they could actually be coming out. We can't tell them which direction it's going. We've just assumed they were going in. We've assumed these things are what's causing the disease. And there are probably people, no doubt there are people, at the top of the, the science of virology that know the scam, but they're getting paid big bucks to keep quiet and to right. keep going along with
1: it. They're part of it. So yeah. the virus, the so part- virus is something like they made it up and they made the... the, the the process, the testing, to match what they wanted it to match so they could justify it. So, like you said, they don't know if it's coming in or out, and it probably is the body getting it out. So you're not – probably not such a thing as a virus at all.
2: Right? Well, and and look at – I'll tell you something. I discovered on my own. And I, now I can't go back and prove it because I seem to have scrubbed this off the Internet. And I wish I – somewhere I hope I have the copy of it. But there was a – I found the genetic sequence – that was put onto the PCR tests by the three places that developed it. There were three places that developed the PCR test for COVID, they claimed. It was the Drosten Group, the, the Louis Pasteur Institute in France, and the CDC. And they each had three proteins that they claimed they were – or three parts of the spike protein that they were claiming that they were making the testing to. They were they were a little bit different, but they were, they were just variations on that particular area. So um, – each of them had three tests, so there were nine tests in all that they, that they devised. And these, theoretically, are the genetic sequences that the, that the PCR test is going to uh, use in testing you to, to do this. I ran those sequences through BLAST. And BLAST is a genetic sequencer. It's, an, it's a computer analysis. You give it a genetic sequence, it tells you where it's from, if it can Okay. Sometimes it says no known sequence like this, mm-hmm. but it looks into the huge data bank. Now, we have a data bank now of the SARS-CoV-2 that we claim is in there. They're called in silico genomes. They're not really – there's no real gene that – there's no real virus that this corresponds to in total. It's just genetic sequences that were put together by computer modeling, and they're, they're deposited in the, in the gene bank. But if there really is something to this and the SARS-CoV-2 exists, you would think those those tests should correspond to some portion of what we have in the gene bank. But when I put it through BLAST, guess what I got? I got Homo sapiens, gene 3, Homo sapiens, gene 8, Homo sapiens, Homo sapiens, Homo sapiens, that's us. In other words, they were testing us to our own genetic sequence. I'm just letting that sink out there because, you know, that was something I stumbled upon and just did because I was using the blast. I was using, learning how to use it. I, I'm going to go back and find that again, but I can tell you that they fallaciously used the test to make these false positive tests, right. but this would be the right. ultimate scam. This would be the ultimate scam. <laughs>
1: So, wait a second, so bring it down to English. Because and I've heard you say this before, and it's, it's sometimes, it sinks in for a second, and then I I go back to being a normal person, and then I'm like, wait, she's got to say it again.
2: So okay. Explain? They created, I mean, week, they, it, looks, yeah, it looks like they, in English, it looks like they created those nasal tests to just, when they put it in the machines to see if it was positive or negative, if, they, if they're just testing you for your own genetics, It's going to be always positive potentially, depending on how I cycle the test. That's what I'm saying.
1: Well and the cycles they didn't even make it they did it too high anyway. The cycles they did on that, like thirty and thirty five and forty, which we already know that they would be false positive, but then they also did almost like another layer of protection because the PCR tests aren't supposed to be able to distinguish if you have one particle of a virus or if the virus is dead. So you, you have no idea you can't you can't determine if, it, if it's a valid even test. So almost, it sounds like they, they kind of did a couple different ways for it to come back positive. Is that right, Marie? Well, again, they only,
2: they only look, these PCR tests don't look for the whole virus. They look for 16 genome sequence, okay, 16 base pairs. This virus, if they claim it exists, is 30,000 base pairs long, but they claim they're targeting areas in the spike protein that don't change that much. So 16 base pairs. When I put those 16 base pairs in, they, they, they didn't show SARS-CoV-2. They showed human genome. I'm just telling you, they sent it up to human genetics. That's what I found. Okay. That was
1: the just because they just needed complete, a number. It's a
2: complete scan. They, they needed a number for the
1: testing. But they still did have yep. some sort of a bioweapon because they had to have that surge thing in New York in order to make it sound like the whole, the whole world is is collapsing because of this highly contagious uh, coronavirus. So they, they you see well, the Well, there's no question vaccine? that
2: there was a toxin out there. There was right. something that made us sick and it's still making us sick through the vaccine, but it's not natural. It wouldn't have done this by itself. They created this and they pushed it out there. And now we are living, quite frankly, in the world of synthetic biology. There's a strategy paper from our military calling about the strategic implications of synthetic biology. And that's exactly what this is. We are, we are, they can create things now, taking nature and having it damage us. Once they figured out, this is why it took them a while to do it and why they're so, they're so enamored of the bat coronavirus, I guess, or the bat whatever, this genetics that came out of the bat, is because it allowed them to target a, a, a pathway, the ACE2 pathway in humans that's kind of specific to us. And um, I'm not sure. I'm going to look around and see if anything else has an ACE2 pathway. I guess some animals might. But there's genetic changes even within the ACE2 pathway, so it targets certain. It targets certain certain races are targeted more than others
0: in this. Mm-hmm. I mean,
2: you could say that's by accident, but it turns out there's some of us are upregulated, some of us are downregulated. Um, if you're Amish, for example, you're pretty safe. <laughs> Um but it's not it's not it's not by accident. This is all created and so we need to act accordingly.
1: Wow. And that's uh it's a very smart um I'll just say bioweapon now that you're breaking down kind of what's in it and finding out especially whatever this this uh like that small Amoeba thing that's living that is in there, amongst other things. This is this is like this is a well, I could buy weapons. DARPA. DARPA's involved. DARPA's the DoD. Oh yeah. This, DARPA this is, this now is a war. This is literally a war. People right. need what? Like
2: Scary stuff. Keep in keep in mind what DARPA and the Chinese have wanted in their strategic outlook for decades since the 1980s. They have wanted. Uh, The the Chinese wrote about it in the 90s, but DARPA wrote about it in the 80s, that they wanted to connect the brain to electronics. And if people want to follow that pathway, just look up the works of Charles Lieber at Harvard. This Mm -hmm. is the nanotechnology we're talking about. And he got – he was involved with – it wasn't just us doing it. It wasn't just the Chinese. They were working together. That's what's so creepy about this whole thing is that – he was going back and forth. There's a Wuhan Harvard lab in Wuhan, a Harvard lab of nanotechnology that at least two weeks ago you could see from Google Earth. As soon as I talk about it, they'll probably de, de-, de- uh, <laughs> identify it. But what but but it is, I mean, Harvard, he's, he was the chief of chemistry and biochemistry at Harvard that was an expert in nanotechnology. And he was going back and forth to Wuhan and helping them set up the lab. He was being paid big bucks. He was a member of the Thousand Talents Program for China while he was taking fifteen million dollars from the NIH and, and, and DARPA. And keep in mind, DARPA doesn't fund chemists because they want to make the coffee taste better.
3: Okay, they,
2: they're doing mm-hmm. high technologic science, and it was it was it was human electronic interface. Now there's a patent out there that Zelenko brought to to the attention uh, of the public, and it's US Patent one 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 zero seven five eight eight. And it basically says that, that you, you – it's for – the patent is for a, quote, plurality of electric, electronic devices configured to be carried around by said subjects and configured with instructions to do these things, okay? So when he first started talking about this, the typical fact checkers came out and said, oh, false, 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 it's not implanted in you. This is clearly talking about cell phones. Did you see cell phones listed? No, it says a plurality of electronic devices to be carried around by said subjects. Now, I can carry around an internally. Mm -hmm. If I had had a pacemaker implanted in me, I would carry it around, right? So this is not about cell phones. And and what these had instructions to do was to generate an ID. Now, you've seen the Russians, I think, were the first to show pictures of these vaccines um, generating an SSID uh, like your computer does. It radiates Mm -hmm. out its identification. So your wi-fi can find it right well this these things generate an id and exchange ideas, ids with people near you proximity devices so if you're within a certain range from me i send you my id you send me your id and then it will generate a score based on these received ids so if i'm around one person it says okay you got a score of one or whatever i don't know how they actually codify it but let's say i'm in a in a bar with 20 people it's going to give me a score of 20 um, now, it'll know where I am, by the way. It'll know whether I'm at a BLM riot or I'm at a, a, a church meeting. It, it can tell because they'll be able to track you and where you are. Um, and it then will communicate with a server. And then when it communicates with a server, it's going to send this data up, and it's going to receive instructions back. It will send The server will send relevant treatment instructions to said subject based on said received information. I'm reading from the patent. So... <laughs> If anybody wow. doesn't think that's what this is about this is this is us being connected together the internet of bodies you know how they've had we've been we've been watching the internet of things and everybody thinks oh how cool my refrigerator now has all this cool stuff that it sends out you know um, tells the electrical company when it turns on and off so i can have more efficient refrigerators no it's not about that they want to no. know when you're home they want right you know they want mm-hmm. it, it, it's tracking what your habits are so you're, I try and not get these smart devices, but it's impossible these days. If you need to do dishwasher, it's going to be a smart dishwasher. So they have all these smart devices. Now, people, it's Internet of Bodies. It's just not IoT. It's the Internet of Bodies. And you can read that term, IOB. It's, it's making us into the hive mind. Our minds are connected together. We are connected together. It's a perfect, it's, at the minimum, it's a perfect crowd control, right? Because this thing will tell everybody's, where you are in, in space, you know, I'm around this person right now. I'm by myself. I'm, you know, I'm nobody around me, so my idea is doing anything. Yeah, they'll know everything. Can you imagine the Soviet Union with this kind of technology in 1930s? Oh and that's yeah. our problem. You know, to sum this all up, our problem right now is we're in a medical technocracy. They're, we're in a technocracy. They're using high tech that they've known about a lot longer than we have, and they're taking over the world. And they want your children, and they're going to um, kill a bunch of us, sterilize a bunch of us, and turn the rest into, into slaves for them. And the only way we get out of this is standing up right now. It's not, getting, it's not asking your doctor for a hall pass to not wear a mask or to not take the vaccine. That won't help anybody except you for a short period of time, because it won't even help you. I mean, it won't help the people doing that, because you will be – known that you you put this you got yeah you got a pass but in six months that won't matter because we're going to move the goal you know you'll never Mm -hmm. you'll never satisfy these psychopaths you'll always have to do something and it will always be harming to you if you all stand together right now we can take our world back i guess that's my final message is that we all need to stand together and say no don't accede to masks don't accede to lockdowns don't accede to mandates don't accede to vaccines. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And I know sometimes it's hard. Um, I had a friend who his son said he wouldn't come home for Thanksgiving if he didn't take the vaccine. So the guy took the vaccine, and I, I don't think he's particularly doing completely well. But you know that's the problem here. We we have to we have to understand that there's going to be transition and tough love here, and you can't save everybody, including sometimes your own family members. But don't don't go along with it. I. I had to tell a grandmother the other day who was told they couldn't she couldn't see her kids or grandchildren if she didn't get a vaccine. I said I'm I'm gonna tell you this and I don't mean it the wrong way and I hope you'll understand I'm just saying this out of out of my concern for you. You might be the person that are gonna have to take care of the grandchildren. If you take the mm-hmm. vaccine and get harmed, you won't be able to there'll be nobody to take care of them if things go south. Mm-hmm. So I think I, that's the way we've gotta look at saving as many people as we can, young healthy people of reproductive age need to be protected. Um, we can't have a you know again genocide
1: and yeah. it's human and they're pushing, genocide. They're, they're pushing the uh the the non-vaccine to be uh, approved for kids 5 to 11 and that's uh you know, that'll probably be by the end of the month. So that's that's some scary stuff and I think maybe that that will be the uh the straw that broke the camel's back for the parents that are willing to step up to the plate. I mean, as we mentioned earlier, you've got the Southwest pilots and you've got the employees there standing up. So, uh, and, and and the air traffic controllers, and they've proven that when you do stand up and you stick together you can you can make a difference. So that's proof, right? And the school board meeting, that's one thing. But right. um, I think that, uh, uh, the, that, as we said, needs to move into all the different categories. So that should give people confidence and reassurance that it is possible. And then hopefully, not like I want the non-vaccine to be approved for kids, but I think that will be just enough to put everybody right over the edge because we're not all there yet. When because we're not in the streets like they see in Brazil a couple of what month or two ago or in France so we're not at that right. point because like you said we're we're comfortable cattle we've been uh, you know in our little pen and now we're getting uh, we're getting a little bit we need, we need one more good prod is what we need in order to step over but you know this is the, this has just yep. been incredible incredible content. Dr. Lee Merritt, you are an amazing woman. I mean, beyond smart. Okay. I don't, <laughs> beyond smart. I mean, I'm surprised that you even have the ability to sleep because your brain is just going nonstop all the time. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. I and mean, then this is something that I just want to, I want to say thank you so much because what you did was, cause I've watched you on so many interviews. You ended up doing a compilation of multiple interviews plus ones that you've done on your own show and threw in new a new, new information and spun it all up for everybody. So literally, if everyone can listen to this episode and share this particular segment, with everybody you know, things will change. People's attitude will change, and it will be a different world if people can just take the time to listen to this because it was – over the top, just uh, laid out everything beautifully. So um, thank you. You're just, uh, you're amazing woman. Well, you I, I hope to meet me you in person. I'm sorry? Yeah, I hope
2: so. <laughs> right. Thank you wow. for having me on, and I really thank you for taking the fight because uh, we need every independent voice out here. That's okay. really what it is. You guys, if, think, about the, think about what if this had happened without the Internet and we couldn't have, have shared this stuff. We would have been long gone.
1: Oh, it's dead. the independent Everybody. media
2: that's, that's helped us, that's saved us here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Me- medical Rebel, com. I'm going to add that to our website, obviously. Um, I mean, must follow and must join Paige. We're going to put her podcast on our must listen to page so then that way you can find her easily. So, what a woman. What a mighty, mighty great woman, Dr. <laughs> Thank you so oh. much. Be well. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview. Whoa. It's definitely something that you need to listen to a few times because it, it like, unravels everything. It unravels everything. So please share that show with your family, uh, with your friends, with your contacts. let's turn this ship around because it is time. We're running out of time and definitely do not get that flu shot. Now, you never needed it. I didn't know the thing about the music. 200 people died from measles and all of a sudden we need to have a mandated vaccine for your kids. Oh my gosh. Now they're up to 72. Oh, crazy stuff. So go check it out the medicalrebel.com and uh, what a great lady, what a great lady. All right, I'm back on the live version for any of you who's still tuned in and is listening. I appreciate it. It's 2.57, and the uh, live feed goes down at 3 o'clock p.m. Pacific time, so I'm going to wrap it up real quick. Amazing uh, episode information. I listened to it again. I'm going to listen to it again. So please share this show, share this platform with your friends, your family, your uh, contacts, your business associates, uh, everybody needs to check out our platform, everythinghomeaboutus.com, everythinghomeaboutus.com. Literally, there's hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of free content and information and resources. Not only our shows, there's other shows. There's the Patriotic Media, so you know who the alternative people are that can help you out. Go check out the Marketplace tab. Go buy some cool products. 57 different well-known websites and brands, and two to 20% of your total purchase is donated to our nonprofit partners and groups supporting vets, pets, kids, and freedom. And uh, my pillow, love my pillow, and Michael Endell. Use the promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, when you go to MyPillow.com or on our marketplace, and you'll get up to the uh, all the discounts. The buy one getting free up to the 66%. We are 258. I'm going to try to just log on another minute left, and minute left, I'm just lowering this all in. So uh, tune back in on Monday to uh, 12 p.m. Pacific time, five guests a minute segments. We're going to have Mike Miller with the Warriors Ranchers and Dr. Eric Nepute, uh on the show. So uh, thank you for listening. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Join the newsletter, everythinghomeaboutus.com. And we're going to be uh, launching this Save My Freedom. I oh, my goodness. you need to be a part of it. Be a part of it. More details from the newsletter. A lot of information today's show. I didn't even uh, That's a special thank you to all the partners of the Everything Home Social. The referral network, their information, their episodes are on uh, their own show. So listen on our website, everythinghomeaboutus.com hang out at the take action tab everything is there take action tab once you're on the website have a great weekend uh you're awake you'll take action on what we share today make it a great day make it a great weekend because you deserve it remember every morning an hour up early you're going to pray you're going to plan you're going to take action have a great weekend
3: if tomorrow all the things were gone i'd work for all my life and i had to start again the men who died, who gave that right to me, and I'm glad.